Hi there, and welcome to the Creative Endeavor Podcast. This is the podcast bringing you inspiring stories from creative professionals from around the world. Real conversations with real artists. And in this episode, I'm talking to Christopher Remmers, who is an extraordinary, mystical, out there artist from the Pacific Northwest in the United States. Now, I've been following Christopher for quite some time on Instagram, and I'm just blown away by his work. His paintings go into a totally a different dimension, and they're so well painted. How do you get something that's mystical, that just doesn't exist at all, and make it look so realistic? This guy knows the figure. He's got a handle on light, and the scale of some of his paintings are just off the charts. Now, right now, before you get into this conversation, go right now to his Instagram. He can be found at Christopher Remmers, all one word, and his last name is spelled R-E-M-M-E-R-S. Now, go follow him there, and it might provide some background and some color to this conversation. Right now on my Patreon page, you're going to find the video version of this podcast. You're only listening to the audio version, but there's a video version of it too, and it's exclusive to my patrons over on Patreon. And when you sign up to my Patreon page, not only are you going to get all the videos of the podcast, but you're going to get exclusive critique videos, Q&A videos, extended time-lapse videos if you like following me on YouTube, and it's some very special extras, exclusives that nobody else is going to get. I upload a new folder of photo reference every single week for my patrons over on Patreon. So if that sounds like you, you want to take your painting and art even further in 2022 and enjoy the video version of the podcast, then jump over on my Patreon page. I can be found by searching Andrew Tischler Artist on Patreon, or just click the link in the description down below that accompanies this podcast. I really wanted to dive into Christopher's artistic practice, how he comes up with these ideas, but also hear about his artistic beginnings. Where did this creative journey start for him? And of course, this conversation goes down the normal rabbit holes and things that I'm really just interested in hearing other artists take on these subjects, like the business side of art and social media and going forward, how they find themselves today and what are some of the things that they're looking into. Also, Christopher is an extraordinary teacher as well, and he runs an atelier with another artist, and so he's teaching his techniques there. I'm going to include some links to Christopher's website and the atelier in the show notes down below, so make sure you find the description if you're listening to this on any audio platform. You'll find that accompanying this podcast. Now, before we get stuck into this episode, I just need to make a little disclaimer here. There is some references in this conversation to illicit substances. Now, this is not something that I do, and it's not something that I condone. And I was in two minds about taking it out or leaving this part in the podcast, but I decided to leave it in for the reason that it provides some background and some color to the process that Christopher is engaged in with coming up with some of these ideas and the interesting psychological things that come up as a result of exploring these parts of the mind. Now, again, it's not really a road that I'm comfortable going down personally, and you've got to make your mind up about that for yourself. So I and Christopher, I think by the same measure, is neither one of us are advocating for taking anything. This is not a podcast about that at all. And I could even tell that when this came up in the conversation, he didn't really want to go there, but I kind of pried it out of him. 
a little bit and I, I wanted to hear about it. But after having the conversation, I was thinking, oh, do we put this in or don't we? So I, I've decided to leave it in, knowing full well that you listening to this right now are a responsible adult. I don't need to make decisions about what you can and can't hear. But if that kind of talk is going to be something that's going to upset you, then maybe give this conversation a miss and enjoy one of the other episodes of The Creative Endeavor. But again, I decided to leave it in here because it just provides a bit of background as to what is going through Christopher's mind. And that's the point of The Creative Endeavor is to bring these artists on and talk about this sort of thing and really hear what makes them tick creatively. So if there's an avenue that opens up, we're going there. So I hope that's okay with you, and I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to just make this little disclaimer here, and I hope that we're still cool and you're going to enjoy this episode. Look, I certainly did. I got a heck of a lot out of it. And you're going to hear us go back and forth on some of these issues, and you're going to hear my position pretty clearly on some of this, even though I make it light and make a joke of some of these things. I, I've got a pretty firm stance that that's not a place that I go to personally. But that's no judgment on anybody else. That's just my own personal point of view. Anyway, with that said, this was super inspiring. I got so much out of it. I hope you're really going to enjoy this episode. Man, I've been waiting to bring this to you for some time. We had lined up this conversation months and months and months ago. And finally, we've made it happen. So without further ado, here's Christopher Remmers in The Creative Endeavor. Christopher Remmers, welcome to the Creative Endeavor podcast. It is so good to have your company here this morning. I, there's a lot that I want to ask you, a lot I want to jump into. One of my favorite places to start, though, uh, and this is great, I think, for people listening as well, is I'd love to know about your creative journey and how you actually started, because you know, mm. you're a badass painter, man. You do some great work. I, and, and when I see somebody yeah, I like you that's, that's creating big, ambitious work that, you know, it's a bit mystical, it's a bit spiritual, it's a bit out there, it's really cool. So I'm looking forward to talking about that too. I just want to hear, <laughs> how did you start? How did this whole thing get going for you? Yeah, you know, I, it's, not, it's not a direct path, that's for sure. I mean, I've been, I've been at it since I was a kid, you know, and I mean, we can, we can start all the way back there and it's been kind of a windy road from the get-go but um you know when I was a kid my mom was an artist and she taught uh, me and my siblings you know just how to like draw animals and plants and we were always just sort of engaged in artistic things when we were kids and so it like started there and you know if I'm being like totally honest it like it there was like a bit of competition that kind of like grew the passion in me and it was it was with my brother actually because he he like took off and he was like really into his own art and he he later ended up becoming like a tattoo artist and kind of became really popular in that field and then became a painter in his own right but initially it was like seeing him sort of go into it and then like there was this like kind of healthy back and forth competition that like started this relationship with the arts and then by the time I got into high school I just that was the thing that I loved to do and it was that's that's where it all came out of and um you know, it, it's, you know, looking back on it, I mean, hindsight's 2020 and all these things, and you don't, 
recognize where seeds were planted until years down the down the road. But I, um, at a really young age, I had picked up a book um, called Creative Visualization, and it was like a book on meditation. And you know that then kind of opened up this whole gateway into sort of like this um, like wild imagination and visual practice that like led into me sort of just exploring creative ideas and uh and from there like it just got it it was just building the habit of sketching and drawing and then eventually painting and just playing around with ideas and um so that was like that was that was where it kind of started and it planted the seeds around like art being this way of exploring my own inner process through like meditation wow um yeah and uh you know from there i just i was all you know it was just experimentation and i was um i was kind of all over the place in in terms of exploring different mediums and different lenses of of the things that i wanted to say you know at first it was like very political and it was like i was doing collage and these like large scale kind of like really serious political pieces you know and i no i don't think most people have seen any of that work you know i mean this is like 20 years ago and uh and so give me give me example come on give give me an example of a political piece come on let's go there let's yeah yeah totally so (laughs) okay so this was you know jumping a little bit further ahead i'm i'm out of high school and i immediately like moved into this this sort of like art community um down by like the Fullerton Art Center in Southern California. And I was like living in a 300 square foot converted hotel room that was like full of artists. And I was like living in that in a bunk that I built and painting in the same place. And then I was like working as like a, as a, as a waiter in the evenings at this like cafe slash jazz club. Wow. And, <laughs> and so I was kind of like, I was like deep in that, that lifestyle. But anyway, one of the pieces that I got into was, sort of inspired by like reading the news. And I was just so disgusted at like all of the propaganda and the things that were just like constantly being shoved down our throats in the media that was like very violent. And I mean, it's, you know, the crazy thing is like looking at it now, like that, that paled in comparison to what we're fed today in the media, you know? I mean, that was before all of this, all of these like social media platforms were birthed. And, you know, I think that was like the beginning of like MySpace. You know, I mean, oh well. So this is we're going back to we're going back to the Bush years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're going back to what was happening around that time, post nine eleven, right? Yeah. Now, now now this podcast definitely just got flat. No, no, no. That was that was (laughs) sorry, sorry. That was like at that was right at that point. Yeah, right at that. So like, so I I I graduated from high school in two thousand, and so like, oh, same here. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and so, um. But anyway, I kind of sidetracked, lost yeah. side of the piece. The piece that, that, that I created, essentially, I did this like eight foot by six foot canvas. And I found this like mannequin in the dumpster, this like legless, armless, headless mannequin torso. And I like could, I attached it to the center of this canvas. And then I paper mache the whole thing in like all of these like ridiculous headlines. And on the mannequin itself, I actually like paper mache it with all of this like pornography, actually. And, and then I like 
I like did all these glazes and washes and made it look like blood was dripping off the thing. I mean, it was, oh it was goodness. super over the top intense. Wow. Man. Yeah, you, like, you were an intense guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just, I was like fully into like, I'm the, you know, I'm the melodramatic artist, like living in the trenches. And it was very much like, yeah, that was, that was where I was at that time. And, and where, where so, were the trenches? Where, where in the United States were you at this time? So I was, uh, I was in Southern California. So this, this studio I was at was in it's Santa Ana. Okay. Um, so it's like inland from, it's like near Orange County and mm-hmm. that area, San Diego. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I, um, cause I, it, yeah, that kind of brings me back to the time right when I was just going into art school, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the world was, it was a weird place back then and it felt so big and so heavy, but I, come on, give me those days. <laughs> I yeah. kinda, I, I sometimes I right? was like, let's just wind the clock back just 20 years. I'm not asking for much, but um, yeah, quite interesting, you know? And, and so this, this work is, is, is very much, it, it seems to me like, okay, so, so you are creating, reacting, responding to what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what, what's going on around you. And it's so interesting right. now to see your work now, because I look at it and I go, where's that, where's that coming from? Like what, what, mm-hmm. what it, it, there's, and, and as I said, there's so much that I want to unpack there and, and we're, we're going to get into it, I guess. Okay. Hang on here, jumping all over the place. Before we jump into that, let me, let me ask you a bit more because was that, was that the hustle for you? going, going, you know, working part-time, just trying to make it work. At what point did it go click? And you were like, Hey, I'm doing this full time. Hey, this is, this is my gig. This is working. Yeah. You know, unfortunately I wish I could say it, it happened then, but I got, you know, there's many stages of, of my development and I got a little bit sidetracked and derailed. Um, not short, just shortly after that, but, um, you know, there is a, there is an interesting thing about that story about my work being that politically driven and, and very external in terms of where I derived like my motivation and inspiration and just to cap on that story um, I, I along with that I used to also be very like active you know and going to rallies and like and going to various just getting involved in various ways in political activism and what I started to notice for myself and my own creative output and like the direction that I was going is that I felt that there was a really negative impact on me being involved in those things and sort of always kind of taking this stance of like, a, I don't I want to say like a victim mentality, but it's, I just always felt angry at the world. And it, I felt like it was dramatically stifling, like my creative energy. And so like, I took like a major step back and I was like, this isn't the, this isn't the work that I want to be creating. This isn't like, the message that I want to give to the world. I want to convey beauty and truth and like, you know, and we'll get into where it came to be years down the road, but essentially I got a little, like, I, I, I kind of took a major step back and decided to go travel and do other things for a while. And I never stopped doing art, but I stopped pursuing it professionally. You know, there was like about three to four years in my early 20s where I was pursuing it heavy. I was like getting into shows. I was selling work, but it wasn't like it just never felt like this is what I want. Mm. And um, and furthermore, I also felt like I didn't have the skills that I wanted 
in order to okay. convey the ideas that I was like starting to imagine. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. Uh, what yeah, I, what yeah. I am kind of struggling with in my mind though, is how did you make it work from a commercial standpoint? Because when you're selling work, you know, you're creating a, not to cheapen it here, but I mean, it is yeah. what it is, right? You're, you've got a product, you've got somebody that's representing you and the products that you have on offer. You're, you're obviously not going to be selling very many mannequins uh, plastered with sure. pornos and dripping with, <laughs> yeah. with fake blood. Yeah. So, so what is, yeah. what is the work that you're, you're offering to the marketplace when you're making those sales while you're just trying to chip away at this thing? Yeah. I mean, so I, the shows that I was having, they were sort of very kind of like grunge fringe, like venues that like, it wasn't, Right. You know, the I wasn't into the like the big gallery scene, you know, it was like it was mm. kind of this like underground culture of like, yeah, kind of like grunge pop art that was you know, that I was like mixed around with. and I wasn't making any kind of real money. I wasn't surviving off of it. You know, I had part time jobs and um, and eventually I leaned into that a lot more because, you know, I had a skill. I grew up like working on construction sites and you know, building homes. And that, that was something that I've relied on for, you know, most of my twenties and early thirties. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so like the real, to be honest, the real hustle didn't begin until like my thirties until like, I decided that I really wanted to take it seriously. And, right. and like, so from mid to late twenties, I was off like doing completely other things. Like I always had a studio at home. And I, you know, and most times I was like at home after work and I was like working on skills. I was taking workshops. I was like sort of behind the scenes cultivating, but I had dropped out completely from trying to make a living with my art at that point. And I was just kind of doing this whole other thing. I like started a construction company and was like, like seriously pursuing that. At the end of all that, like towards, you know, in my late twenties, early thirties, I mean, I had like a pretty big, like born again moment man that like that really threw me for a loop in my life I you know I had been for years and years had been in this pattern of like okay once I get through this then I'll commit to my art then I'll finally do it and I just got really like stuck in this grind of never actually following the thing that I knew that I wanted most and that I had sort of abandoned early on in life and and I, I kept on pursuing sort of this, like, this grind to make money. And I was like doing well. I was like, and, and there was this one particular moment that I landed this like huge contract. You know, I was going to do a commercial job, like downtown Oakland up in the Bay Area in San Francisco, where I was, I was going to, you know, it was just a huge project, like million dollar plus project, you know, this construction thing. And I like had spent months preparing, drawing plans for it. And I was like on my way to this meeting to sit down with these people and like get the ball rolling, like finally get things kicked off. And I can, I, I didn't show up to the meeting and that was, that was the end of it for me. I like canceled. I like sat there in the parking lot. I had like this panic attack essentially, like, cause all of a sudden it's like all of these years of this, this conflict inside of me was just finally like, no, it was, it's, it was, it was though a part of me knew that if I took that, I was never going to actually give myself the shot because it would have been like so, too enticing for me to shift directions. And so that was like that day, everything ended. I shut down my business. I like, 
I retreated. I went and I literally went on like silent meditation retreat for the better part of like a month and a half and came back and was full-time art all in. And I haven't looked back since. <laughs> so that was like, that was my little mini, mini drama. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine and, and put myself in that space. I can't even imagine what that would have been like. You know, you, you've got the, you've got the job, you've got the money on the table, you walk away from the money and you pursue what you love. Wow. Yeah, Epic. it was a huge lesson for me, man. Huge lesson. Wow. It's amazing how, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people and, and through social media, emails, all that stuff, getting hit up all the time about this whole question about full-time work. I got a message just this morning um, from a guy in Italy, um, a great guy. And uh, he, um, he was saying, look, I'm doing the sciences degree, but it's making me really sad. Uh, I, I'm mm. going for the job, but it doesn't feel like me. I really just want to paint. What do I do? And I, I, I didn't want to come across as callous, but I was kind of saying to him, just go and paint. Just go and do it. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. It, it's, it takes a lot to do that, but it's kind of interesting when you go all in. And it doesn't mean it's going to happen, though, does it? It doesn't necessarily mean you're, no. you're granted success. So, so your your first your your first years of of this, or like, take me back to the moments where you were first kicking off this thing, and, and at that moment, you go all in. You do your your silent meditation retreat. You then you hit the easel. What is that first period of time like for you? What 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 did that look like? Yeah. So, you know, coming into that, like it was a lot of, and this, this will tie into like kind of my creative process in general, but it's a lot of writing. It was a lot of like exploring ideas and starting to ask questions from this, this place of like, it wasn't just about like being an artist. It was about the, it was the, it was the beginning of what it meant to be an artist for me that like, that I felt I've always taken that that the role or the title of, of an artist very seriously in terms of and I think in part because I look into the world and I see a lot of people not taking it seriously and and okay. and so there was a lot of this like I'm doing this like what's the impact that I'm trying to have what's the message I'm trying to convey like what's what exactly does this all look like and that's always been a big part of my own process is that clarity is key in terms of success that like going into any endeavor, not having a clear vision, like it's, it's just too much. It's like, you're looking, you're looking at infinity of possibility. And if you don't have a clear direction that you're going to go, then you're slowing yourself down and, and you're going to end up with a lot of overwhelm. And so I was like really kind of focusing on that. And I, um, and I just, I started taking workshops um, online and in person, and I was reading a bunch of books and just like, I was like grinding and I realized that like, okay, my skills are not up to par. I need to start training and I need to start developing that skill set first and foremost. And so I was like taking courses and classes on composition and I was like putting in hours and hours and hours every day. And um, yeah, that's, that's where it started. And like, I had this really amazing um kind of happenstance moment where so I was reading traditional oil painting 
um, by Virgil Elliott. Oh wow! He was your I, he was your first podcast uh, guest. <laughs> what I think. a what a guy! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second, and, second, second episode. I think his first was uh, Cesar Santos. Um, shout oh, out! Oh, that's Cesar. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he yeah. was up there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was I had been going through his book, um, and I Googled him. And it turned out he lived about five minutes from me. Wow. And so I just called him up and I said, Hey, are you interested in taking on students? And I went over to his studio and met and, you know, long story short is we just, we kind of hit it off and I started studying with him wow, and uh, awesome. he wasn't teaching anymore at that time, but he had a studio and I just got thrown. That was like when I got head, head first thrown into sort of academic training. I mean, it, he immediately just like, like put your camera away put your paints away set up a cast in like a natural lit room and just gave me some charcoals and like put me to work and that was like my intro to observational from life drawing <laughs> I, I i i gotta ask you this and look i love virgil all right i do and I, he knows he knows his stuff okay doesn't he he yeah. does um what what's he like in person i mean he's He's a fiery character, man, for sure. You know, he's like, there was never a dull moment hanging out in the studio with him. I, I, I he was, he was, <laughs> he was generally, you know, on some rant about something, you know, and, and he has been for a while, you know, the whole thing around trying to discredit the idea around um, uh, projection being used by the old masters. You know that whole thing, Tim's Vermeer. Remember that documentary that came I, I, out years ago? I, I loved that. So, so what? What was he? What was his stance on the whole thing? Oh, he thinks it's he. He. I. Last I heard, and I'm not, sorry, I'm not sure if it's true. Yeah. I, <laughs> Disclaimer. I think actually, sorry, Virgil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he's writing a book about it, or at least he had expressed interest in wanting to write a book, essentially proving that, like, that these tools of projection weren't actually used but i'm not i'm not certain on that i i think he he's always been a huge proponent of of honing your skill of observation from life and that there's no substitute and you know the masters the old masters saw the value of that and would you know sort of poo-poo the idea that we would that we would use shortcuts um, well, look i i it's interesting because we can see evidence back in the day. I, I, I think that we can see evidence of some artists using something, some mechanical means to derive an image, but not all of them did. There were some that were awesome. And it, it turns out that a lot of my favorite artists and, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of names out there, they weren't using any imaging device at all. They were just looking at something. And as you say, working from direct observation. Uh, that is far preferable than anything else. The only time that I will... Uh, project anything as if it's my own drawing or, or a design that I've come up with, never a photograph. And the reason yeah. why, uh, except for once, I'm going to check myself there, except for once. Yeah. Uh, and and I'll, I'll, I'll be sharing that with my, my people over on Patreon, what it was and why I did that. Um, mm -hmm. But, but it's, it's certainly not something that's, that's a practice for me. Um, just because it's not very much fun really i like drawing yeah, yeah. i like i like yeah. i like just getting into it. i like the challenge i like the chase right yeah 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 
Yeah, you know, I, I've, I have mixed feelings about it, you know, in the sort of academic art world, I mean, there is a, there is a bit of a constant debate around like what's more valuable. And I know some camps of folks think that, that drawing exclusively from life is sort of the, the ideal or it's like, it's, it's better mm. than. And that's where I start to like have issues with that debate. I mean, for me, it's the idea is like, okay, I have an idea what are the tools at my disposal to help me get that idea out in the most effective way? Right. And, yeah. and so I, it's, it's a mixture of like, you know, drawing and sketching and color studies and implementing digital tools in order to complement and like speed up that process. So I can go from small study sketch into like very large scale works. Right. And be able to, to quick, quickly manipulate compositional elements um, on the fly without having to do like multiple iterations, right. you know, which is like in school, that's what you do. You know, it's like when I was in academy, it's like multiple value studies, multiple color studies. And that, and like, if I'm using Procreate, I take a study, put it in there and like, I can quickly like manipulate those things and find out what's going to be the best. Right. Awesome. And to me, yeah. I don't see that there's like a, there's not this advantage of like going through all those iterations unless you're a student and you're learning how to develop your eye in, in terms of value composition and design. So mm. that's, that's where I think the argument comes in is that there's no substitute for learn from honing your observational skill from life. Like I, and you know, I, I, I teach part-time at an atelier and that's like, you know, everything we learn there is that, mm in that sense we have live models we have, we have still life cast everything and it's like it's so incredibly important i think to develop your eye in that sense because even then if you're going to move into photography or whatever reference you're going to use you're able to understand the difference between life and and reference and know where you how to manipulate it know the form a little bit more and and be able to make creative decisions that are going to make your composition more effective. Mm. You know, so, it's, it's, I, I, st I still think it's so important though, to, to do those long form things. You know, if I, if mm -hmm. I start off doing something like Photoshop or Procreate or, you know, these digital tools, or even just like neglect the drawing side of things altogether, my painting starts to suffer. I always need to kind of get back into that for a little bit and keep exercising those muscles and then bring yeah. that back. It always makes, it always makes the painting, you know, so much better. And it's, there's no, there's no faking it. There's no getting around it. Like one thing kind of one thing that you do in that traditional sense, that long form, slow, steady process of building something up, you know, that, that, that has got its benefits. It really does. And I I'm glad I started there and started working with that, but I will, t I'll tell you right now, man, I, I don't think I did nearly enough. I think I would have accelerated oh, yeah. my learning <laughs> yeah. if yeah. I just, yeah. if I'd really stuck into that even more. See, one of the things that I missed and, and I'd love to ask you about this. So when I, I went to an art school and, uh, but I went to, I, I went to university and I got a degree mm -hmm. in art. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's not an art school. That is a, a, an epic waste of time and money. That's what sure. that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, went, I went to a tertiary institution where I wasn't taught the fundamentals of art. I can't remember what I learned, if I learned anything. I was given space and access to be able to kind of explore things on my own, but there was no facilitation or anything. What I think I would have loved if, if I could go back and do it again is I probably would have gone to an atelier, something like what you are you're yeah. teaching at, 
because I, it, people say, oh, I want to go to art school. Well, art school isn't necessarily art school. I went to art school and that was absolute crap. But, but you, well, you, they're teaching you more about how to express yourself than to give you actual real world technical tools. No, to like become, yeah. Uh, hang, hang on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you teach somebody to express yourself? Express yourself. That's the thing. What I think is necessary is that is that we have the. And sorry, I'm so opinionated on this, bro. But no, no, no. I, no, no. I, I think I, I think I, I think we need the necessary, you know, the requisite, you know, the tools at our disposal. We need to be versed in the language of art, and then you can take those tools and give your message. You are qualified as a human being to say whatever you want to say. You have the freedom to do that. So express yourself. But do you have the tools in which to do that? And that's why I think that the that there is no way to teach somebody to be weird, wacky, and wonderful. I, I, I want to let me just chime in. With, I'll just throw this into the into the podcast because there was a a um I I gave it a name and I, I call it I call it Rosemount syndrome. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's probably another name for it, but just, this is when I'm thinking about this, I call it Rosemount syndrome. So many years ago, I was at this, at this bar in my university days and I was a little bit out of place. Uh, but I, I was, you know, there listening with my friends to some live music, drinking some beers kind of thing. And I was looking around going, this is a funky place. What's going on? You know, and looking at the crowd going, wow. And there was a weird phase going on in Perth at the time where everybody was trying to look weird, wacky, wonderful, and different. And um, they would all dress like they covered themselves in library paste and then jumped into a clothing dumpster. And then whatever mm -hmm. stuck to them was their outfit that they were going to wear. So they were just trying to be <laughs> as out there as possible. It didn't have to fit. Sure, it didn't have sure. to match. It's yeah, just... Yeah. And I was looking at a whole bunch of, you know, short fringes and polka dot dresses and all sorts of things. And I was like, huh, everybody's so busy trying to look different that they all look the same. And it was at the Rosemount Hotel. So I call it Rosemount Syndrome. That you get the, in yeah, this thing yeah. where you're trying to make a conscious effort to be different, to say something that's not exactly in line with what you want to say. You're just trying. Don't, don't try, do. Just, just say what you yeah, got to say. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I look at that and I, I just, I can't help but feel that's what art is today. Like, no, don't get me wrong, not what you're doing. What you're doing is coming through, through uh -huh. an authentic place. But this is why I think that they should scrap the tertiary institutions that are teaching art. Get rid of it. It's, it's, it's absolutely useless. Start, go to an atelier, go to a private atelier by a master artist and learn skill. Because mm -hmm. not once have I ever been asked for my degree. No one's ever asked me, hey, show me a piece of paper that you're qualified as an artist. No one's ever mm -hmm. asked me that, dude. I've, I've, you know, I've had a great career so far and I've never, I'm, I'm a qualified artist. Don't you want to, don't you want to see my qualification? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, re I remember, you know, maybe you could speak to this too. You know, when I was getting ready to leave high school and I was applying for colleges, it seemed like that was the end of an era where, or we were still in it to where galleries wanted to see that you had a degree, you know, like it was, it was talked about, like, I remember there being like, I mean, maybe I wasn't looking in the right places, but when I was sort of dreaming of like being the big artist one day, and I was like looking at, you know, kind of these like blue chip, big art galleries and all these other places. And, you know, I remember that being an important component that they, like a lot of people wanted to see that you had gone to get an art degree that wow. you had an MFA and that, and um, and I did, I 
I just did community college for three years and I just did all art classes and I had a similar sentiment. Like I thought it was a bunch of garbage and um, I'm glad I didn't, I'm glad I didn't spend the money on anything more than that. And, uh, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I do think that the values in that regard are kind of backwards and I agree with you. I think that, I think it's too much to, I mean, with our atelier, like we're, an atelier for imaginative realism that's how it's how we're branded essentially and it's like you start with the fundamentals and we and we introduce ways in order to look at what you've studied from life and and change it based on what you've learned from observation and beyond that it's like we kind of cap it there because anything beyond that is well it just just gets complicated and it's and it's and it's hard to teach and it needs to be a different course entirely imaginative realism can you define that for me yeah okay so um <laughs> do your best so j just to say and give a shout out to my my art partner and former teacher uh Tania sims he's the founder of the school mm -hmm. um that i now teach at and that's and that's where i learned as well and so um imaginative realism essentially it's like fusing sort of the classics like the fundamental sort of academic training. Um, okay, so the way that he likes to talk about, it, I think this is a good way. Like if you look at these these old Renaissance paintings, like a Tiepolo or uh, these sort of big grandiose like spiritual narrative pieces, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's imaginative realism. Like that's yeah, like yeah. Th that's that's like a group of artists that that studied an academy and then took this idea of these these religious stories and imagined them into being right it was mm -hmm. uh, and and so that's i think the essence of what it is and it's like at the bedrock of like what i'm trying to explore as an artist as well and like how to well how to have a relationship with story and myth that's more real than real itself right which is what i think story and myth is its role is but Anyway, that's uh, no, maybe I, we, 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 I, yeah. side, we side that for a minute. <laughs> I see that in your paintings, though, by the way. I, I yeah. really do see that in your paintings. Um, so, so now, so, so coming full circle here. So you, you, there, there was a bit of a grind, a bit of a path to, to discovery here before you found your artistic voice. It now really does seem as though you found it. Because when I, I I'm following you on social media, I wish I could see some of these pieces in in the flesh because they are epic, they are massive. Uh, just I want to tell people to take a moment, just go and follow Christopher Remmers on on Instagram. Go and have a look at these pieces. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. The scale on some of these is off the charts, but how well they're painted. And when you say imaginative realism and bringing that, you know, myth into it as well you can see that they're so layered with all these different visual things but they look realistic but they're impossible because they're obviously not real because you can't like mm -hmm. I, I i figures holding these glowing orbs and the light is just exploding from the chest and illuminating the face and and other things in this imaginative weird eerie landscape it's so cool so cool mm -hmm. so can you walk me through your your process there in terms of you know your I, I would love to know what what the heck goes on in your brain, man, before you come up with one of those images. Can you give me an example of how that initial spark of inspiration, what, what, how, how do these things get born? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's an interesting thing because I, I can't like pinpoint any one direct thing. Like, and and I think the process of how these these are birthed have has evolved over time, and um, and so like where I'm at with it recently is that I was asking myself this question of how my what's the best way to say this like my personal sort of spiritual practice mm-hmm. can merge with my creative practice and see those as one and the same and then furthermore how can that then be create more impact in like what I'm doing in the world as an artist and so I kind of come at it from this place that like I want to create works of art that initiate an experience for people that get them to sort of internalize the experience that they're having I mean all work's going to do that you know regardless but like sorry I'm getting into sort of these like these tricky waters where like my my mind goes off in all these different directions and I'm trying to to give the most like the, the most clear the clear direction but um I guess what it is is that it's trying to portray the ineffable and the 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 transcendent experiences of our human nature of like how can I like the, I think a lot about the tarot and not the not the tarot that like I think mainstream culture has seen it as sort of this like fortune telling kind of like I'm gonna I'm gonna tell your tarot or tell your tell your fortune by putting these cards up but like sort of this like old practice of like meditation on symbols and archetypes and and so I've been sitting with that a while and that's given me a lot of inspiration in terms of like looking at at tarot and various forms of of old symbolic language that then initiates this sort of like meditative response of how can I create symbol from these things that then initiate this experience for myself and for other people. I I, I like to think of it in terms of like alchemy, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that like you're taking base ingredients and trying to create gold and like thinking of that as like a metaphor, right? Of like, like if you're taking all of these um, pre-verbal symbolic like compositional elements and and arranging them in such a way to initiate like a a mystical experience i guess is the is the simplest way to put it is that tracking it is it is yeah, and there's yeah. a there's a lot of directions there to go in um it absolutely is so with one of these figures look i, I might even have to put it on the screen let me, yeah let me, let me pull it up okay here we go yeah now, yeah now totally now I'll just say for the people that are um, listening to the uh, audio version of this podcast, you can always get the video version of the podcast on my Patreon page, along with Q and A videos, critique videos, uh, extended time lapses, and some behind the scenes stuff. So uh, if that sounds like you and you want to take your art even further in 2022, make sure you're following me on Patreon and you get to see the video version of this podcast. The Audio version will always be available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and uh, Spotify. So um, I, I'm just going to pull up one of these images here, and I'll go ahead for the uh, visual podcast. I'll cut away to some of these images and put them on the screen so people can see. 
I, I really, th this is, this is phenomenal. And this one really caught my eye. I'm holding that up to the screen, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll cut mm -hmm. it in mm -hmm. for the video. This is, yeah. this is extraordinary. Do you know, do you know what gets me, man? I, I tell you what gets me. It's just how exceptionally well painted it is. Like the, the craft of painting, the skills involved in, in, in creating an image like that. I appreciate the amount of work that it would have taken, the years of study, the years of struggle to get to that point where now there's just this command of the material and the subject matter and bam, it's there. And now it's like what we were saying before and you were, you were explaining, now, now, you, now you can go ahead and talk about what you want to say. You know, and, <laughs> and, and I'd love to know and hear more about that figure in particular. Can you tell me about that painting? Yeah, that's kind of a, it's, it's a interesting story. I'd say I, I just did like a newsletter post about it. It's called the Sentinel. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think this, this also will speak to sort of the direction that I've been going with my work and just to kind of try and bring a little bit more clarity to that last little crazy riff is that is that I think I'm what I'm trying to do in my process is try to be something less, right? And it, it speaks to what we were just talking about beforehand of like, you know, trying to be something versus just doing the thing. Wow. You know, yeah, when you're, yeah. and, and so, and, and what I mean by that in terms of like, I think there's so much pressure and there's so much noise on artists today to like, to like be a certain way and to have a certain look or to paint a certain way because it's about clickbait, it's about attention and it's all about this thing. And I think that people are doing themselves a disservice by like trying to chase like what they think they should be doing versus doing the thing that like, that they're moved by the most. And I think there's this process of getting in touch with the thing that you're moved by most that you need to slow down and really take your time exploring what that means for you. And so that's like when I talk about like alchemy and I think I, I also relate it to shamanism, which is like a huge part of my creative process is like giving time to go into these unknown sort of dark places in myself from like a meditative, almost mystical experience and see what emerges out of that. That's like spontaneous and then, and then creating from that place. I think that talks that that's much more clear than what I was trying to say before but um so anyway this that particular piece sentinel was born out of me going after this idea and it going completely sideways and turning into something totally different like I was I was actually wanting to create a piece around around shamanism and like I had this like idea in my mind and I I, the backstory of this is really funny. So that model, I actually just approached in my gym. I like saw his face and I was like, wow, he's beautiful. Like he has an exquisite portrait. I never met the guy before. And I approached him in the locker room. <laughs> 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 Super nervous. And I was like, I was like, this guy's going to think I'm crazy. And I, um, that's brave. If you see how well built this guy is, that's pretty brave. So say, hey, bro, <laughs> yeah, totally. can I paint your portrait? Get up out of here, man. Come on. What are you talking about? Yeah. So anyway, I, I, um, so we ended up working together and we did like a, a modeling session. I was exploring all these ideas that looked nothing like that. And this is going to go into some other potential threads here in terms of how I like to work with my models, but 
what I've what I've been doing a lot of in the last couple of years is like I'll I'll sit down and explain the narrative and the stories that I'm trying to explore with the models and this and essentially like invite them to sort of embody the character. And and then it's mostly about like letting them sort of almost like in this improvisational way, like act out in front of me. And like, you know, I get the lighting set up and I'll have cameras and I'll just like and I kind of sit back and and like watch and record and look for like this space that's like what I like to call is the quality that has no name. And um, and sometimes there's this period in the beginning where it's like me and the model, they're like, you're trying to like get comfortable with the process. And it's like, you gotta let it like kind of warm up and then you kind of can get into character a little bit more and you kind of embody like the energy of, of what we're looking for here. And anyway, so he just did that and we were going through all of these different iterations and poses and he just like had this moment of like getting into this other character, which is this like kind of tall, proud, strong, like almost steward or sentinel-esque character. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and I just fell in love with it and I completely abandoned the other idea and, oh, and just like really went with that. And I actually have these like, wireless led glowing orbs that i work with that i give to the models <laughs> that's cool <laughs> so, that's cool there's a yeah. secret that i was i was going yeah <laughs> how's he doing that <laughs> that's so cool man and so that's all been like part of this bigger series which is what i've been working towards i have a show um a, a collaboration show next month um and this series um, I've been calling it like soul encounter and I've been giving models the prompt of like, what would it look like if this light, this thing that you're holding is a representation of like you looking deep into your, your soul and like, how does that make you feel? What are the emotions that come up and how does that make you want to move in space? And so like, that's where a lot of these pieces are birthed out of. And, um, and so anyway, that, that piece to kind of cap it off and kind of a deeper look into the other part of the process is you know I, I i've been reluctant to talk about this very much and uh a big part of where i get my inspiration and which is around mystical experiences or transcendent experiences is 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 by taking psychedelics okay and right. and so i have developed this practice that's gone on for the last few years which is I mean, it's gone through many waves, but it's kind of turned into this place where I go out into nature and I sort of, I just, I let go. And sometimes it's with psychedelics and sometimes it's not, but it's like the, the key component there is to go without direction and see what arises. And that's like, it's like an extension mm -hmm. of like my own meditation practice, which is like this prayer of like surrender and letting go. So okay. sorry, I know I'm like opening up all these. Like, you are. You, like, you opened. Here, you man. took the lid off that ten of worms, brother. And <laughs> yeah. I, okay, we're going there now. All right. So you, you're just making the disclaimer at the start of each episode. It's just in this yeah. one in particular, just a bit longer. That's fine. <laughs> um, don't go be taking that. <laughs> no licking toads, guys. All right, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. So. I, I got to ask them. So you're 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 interfacing with nature. Where are you going, and and I, I 
I'm not going to ask you what you're taking. Um, that's probably not important, but I, I imagine it's some sort of DMT type thing, or maybe psilocybin or something like psilocybin that. Psilocybin mostly. Yeah. Psilocybin. Okay. It's so where in nature are you going and, and what, do, do you come back with a conscious memory of what you just saw or I, cause I I've never done it and I'll tell you right mm -hmm, now, I never mm -hmm. will. Um, and I, mm -hmm. and I got, I got particular reasons for that. that we can, we can go into, but, um, it's, it's very, it's very interesting. I, I've, I've always been fascinated with it because I, I do believe there is something there that you can unlock and experience. It's just, I don't know what that is. And, and to mm. me, that's something that I, I definitely steer clear of. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so when you're, but that's no judgment. Okay. So I just want that to be clear. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying, none, I'm none, Christopher, you yeah. naughty, naughty boy. They <laughs> smoking that wacky backy in the, in the, in the woods. <laughs> okay. No. So, 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 so what do you, what are you seeing? Give me an example of something that you experienced while you were out there uh, in nature yeah. and, and, and how you brought that back to the, uh, to the canvas. Yeah. Yeah. And so the first question you had is where, and so yeah, I, yeah. I, I am fortunate to live in what I think is one of some of the most beautiful places in the world. You know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest and it's just absolutely amazing woods up here that you could get lost in for a lifetime. I mean, they're just, I live right on the Puget Sound and there's just like endless exploring on the islands there. I've got the Cascades, you know, at my back. And I mean, it's just a wonderland out here and you, you know, in five to 10 minutes, I'm like in these thick woods with moss covered branches and waterfalls and just like, it's just gorgeous, man. It's like a picture out of a magazine. I mean, and you're very familiar with that. I mean, you live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. And so- yeah. Blessed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and so I do, I, I am able to recall and have a relationship with every single part of my experience that I, that I go into that with, you know? and mm. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, dosage has like a big part in that, uh, you know, I, uh, you take too much, you're going to go out of your freaking gourd and you're not going to be able to walk. So it's like, you got to manage <laughs> how, how you, you do these things. And so it's like, I'm, I'm actively like walking around and engaging with things. And, um, I think what I've, I mean, there's so much there, man. I mean, like the relationship that I've built with that space, or I actually, I think the appropriate way to say it is like coming into relationship with my experience out there, which is the experience between like myself and, and what you could call other. And that like with like a tree or any other part of nature is this like living thing that when I'm in these when I'm having these experiences, I'm able to just have a connection with it that it feels quite profound and it, and it helps me sort of see my place in the, in the bigger picture of all things, right? And it allows me to explore nuance and metaphor and story in a way that I think is really useful to, I want to be careful here, but it, that I think is useful in terms of not seeing myself as separate from from anything else mm -hmm. if that makes sense of course it does yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and can i just ask I, i'm sorry mm -hmm. but is, is this seems like such a such a simple question like just not well thought out but it just immediately something 
popped into my mind, like a way of visually communicating that would be have somebody that is fused to the ground. You know, it's almost like they're the root system of that figure, mm -hmm. you know, like that, that, uh, uh, what was the title of that painting sentinel or yeah yeah it, it, it very much like that there's like this experience uh, you you can feel that he's either growing up out of it or he's coming down into it um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that that's what i'm taking from it anyway uh, it's fascinating well yeah and so that i mean a lot of that is inspired from like numerous um occasions where like i mean the trees here are just magnificent i mean they are they're like the trees here are sentinels or or stewards sometimes as i like to relate to them and and then like sort of having learned about like what's going on and sort of the like mycelial web of the world and how that kind of connects everything and like that really becomes kind of an very apparent when i'm on these experiences that like how like how I, I know it sounds very cliche but how interconnected all things are through that kind of mycelial web and that communicating on that level and so I think through that piece there was a part of me that really wanted to communicate that connection that we have and um and that roots into like part of this practice that that is referred to as like wandering which is like you're walking through the woods for, for most people's experience, they're on a trail, they're walking through someplace beautiful. And it's like, you're walking, it's almost like you're walking through the zoo. You're a bystander, like observing the thing that you're walking, you're walking through and you're kind of separate from it in a sense. Mm -hmm. And there's this, this thing that I'm really intrigued by. And there's this work by this gentleman named Bill Plotkin who wrote a book called Soulcraft that he goes into great detail around this practice where you step off trail and you let go of any agenda of going from point A to point B, and you're just there to kind of observe and walk and notice what happened. It's like a walking meditation. And it changes the landscape and it changes relationship with that place in really profound ways. I, I would say that like, you, you know, someone like you, like plain air landscape painters come into a relationship with nature in that way when you kind of, you become very absorbed in what you're witnessing and what you're trying to record and, and, and be a part of there. So depends who you're with. You could yeah. Be, you could be painted yeah. alongside some people that are really distracting to pull you out of that. I'm not going to mention any names, Freeman White and Samuel Earp. I dare you. <laughs> no, it's good fun painting alongside people. But when I'm, when I'm, when I am painting on plein air and it's just me, you know, the, the things do pull me out of that, that moment. It's like, oh, I got to change the batteries on the camera, new card in that one, or, you know, what, what's the glare like off this? And so it does pull me out of that. But when I can have that meditative experience uh, in, in nature, it's normally, you know, just me without anything at all. Uh, and, and it's not this, it inspires a lot of art. I tell you my favorite thing to do where I, I kind of relate to this because uh, we, we moved to a new location now and I I'm on the, on the water and um, mm -hmm. I'm looking out over uh, the Marlboro sounds and, and there's beautiful water here, tidal right in front of us. The, the, the ocean comes all the way into this deep sound inlet. And I'm looking at the mountains on the opposite side of it. And it's just a little stretch of water here between me and the other side of that sound. I'll get in the kayak and I'll paddle across to the other side and start going along the edge. And as I'm doing that, I'm, I'm spending time and, 
I guess it's meditative in a way, but I pray. I, I'm I'm an open prayer yeah. at that time, and I, you know, I pray to God, and and um, you know, obviously people have heard already and know from my stuff that I I come at this from a particular, you know, from a Christian standpoint. But I find mm-hmm. that by by doing that and giving thanks and praise to Him, the Most High for creation, that's just my my view, my worldview on this. Um, it 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 fills me with a sense of purpose and reverence, and and immediately I feel like I'm given another idea. It's like immediately, yeah. like, oh look at that, look at that, look at that, and this thing that you're saying about the interconnectedness of all things, you know, and you being in it. You have this real feeling when you're floating on the surface of water in a kayak, that you're part of that ecosystem. And then suddenly Mm -hmm. you start to notice things because it's silent. And, and I, I, my favorite thing to do is just go along the shallows that this, you can see that sometimes on a high tide, when fresh water comes in or seawater, but, but new water comes into the sound, the clarity is beautiful. And I'm passing over the top of some beautiful big stingrays and they suddenly mm. go like they get spooked and then they flutter off somewhere, but it's like, I'm a big fish just kind of coming through and I'm taking part in the ecosystem and look out here he comes. And I got my dog on the back as well, which is pretty fun, but it's interesting. Cause you do feel like you're part of that web, you know? Yeah. And, and we are, man. And, and I think that like, that's a big part of this exploration as an artist for me is looking for ways that I can help initiate like, or, or facilitate an experience with people mm-hmm. to like tap into a felt sense of that. And, and it is, it is like this ineffable sort of this thing that you can't, it's like this intangible sense of connection and feeling mm-hmm. that like I, we can, we can, we can talk circles around it all day, but like you, you don't know it until you feel it and you experience it. And that comes in so many different ways through the arts, mm-hmm. through music, through hiking, through whatever. And so it's like my deep passion is to like, is to learn how to communicate that sense feeling through my paintings. And I think like, you know, when you were talking about prayer, like that, you know, gives me goosebumps because I think it's one and like, we're very similar in that sense that I do look at, I look at like paintings and this work that we do is almost like, it's like setting an intention of a prayer towards these ideals, right? Of like looking towards something that's much greater and higher than myself. And then using these base elements of, of uh like truth beauty and goodness to to infuse into work right we have the aesthetics and then we have like some message that hopefully conveys like this deep connection with self and other that we can try to like get people to stop just for a moment and look at our work and hopefully we were able to hit that thread just for a moment that gets that is able to capture someone and they see into that window that makes sense. I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's, it's interesting how you can, you can facilitate that moment for your viewer in that way. It's like the mountain can be there. The, the amount of times I've seen this, it drives me nuts. So you'll come to a viewing platform somewhere and you'll, you'll round the bend on, on the road and there'll be a little pull off there and you'll stop. And, and some views here in New Zealand as well, they're just enough to, you got to pick your jaw up off the floor. It's just like, wow, man, this is, this is amazing. And, and you'll, you'll I, I've gotten into the habit in recent years of watching other people watch stuff or look at stuff. And, and I'm, I kind of go, what is it that they're seeing and that they're experiencing? Some people actually don't 
experience it. They don't see it in reality. But the weird thing is, is that when they see it in a painting, now suddenly they can access it or they see it like just in an image. They're like, oh, that's really cool. I wonder what that is. Yeah. Like sometimes when I paint something, somebody's like going, you know, that's a really cool mountain. I'm like, you're right. It is. You should see yeah. it. You should see the yeah. real thing because the real thing's better. It's awesome. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, like the real things, the real things doesn't have the color or the perspective issues that this piece of crap does. You ought to see the, <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's weird how, because that's all I'm trying to do is, is mm -hmm. just, is just come at something honestly with, with just absolute reverence and, and just, just humble and just going, wow, amazing. Look at this, man. You know, it's almost like standing in the, in the landscape going, good job, God. Good job. Yeah. Not, not bad. Yeah. Not too shabby. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to ask you this. Um, so do you, do you need the DMT to do it? I, and again, this isn't, this isn't a, a Mr. Mackey drugs are bad. Okay speech yeah <laughs> but and if you do then you're buying no no it's not it's not that it's it's a um do, do you do you need that that uh that intervention in that way to access something deeper is there something going on with that in particular that unlocks something that is not you're not able to experience with your senses the way they are um no, I don't think that, well, I go back and forth on that. I mean, obviously, because if I didn't think so, I wouldn't do it. But mm. um, I think it's, you know, how I came into using these certain substances or entheogens, as they, they can be called, is I, it wasn't from a place of creative exploration. I originally came to them from this place of, uh, out of like a struggle of like feeling, feeling like lost in myself. Right. And this was around the time that I did that like 180 degree turn and like kind of was yeah. really struggling to kind of find my 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 footing. And and so there's more, it's more than just the creative process that I've learned to that I've built a relationship around these things. It's kind of an exploration of my own self. And as I was kind of alluding to earlier, you know, I've really started to connect with this idea of like artist as shaman or artist as an alchemist. Um, and a big part of that for me is like navigating really difficult, uncomfortable places in myself, because I think that's where like we really find wisdom. And what, which brings up this, this quote from Carl Jung or Carl Jung, which is be weary of unearned wisdom, which was his response to people using psychedelics. Wow. And he wasn't saying don't do them, but there is like, yeah, it's, I, I just want to put the, the note out there to people that are listening. Like these aren't things that you should haphazardly jump into if you're at all curious, like these yeah. are like hmm. these and they're not for everybody. And, and I've had very challenging experiences on them and I, and I take it very, very seriously. It's not like this flippant thing. We're like, oh, I'm going to go do some drugs and go traipse around. You know, it's like, I, I, it's like this serious practice for me, you know, like mm -hmm. I put time aside and I set intention and I like clear out my schedule so I can go and like really experience these things in a, in a profound way. And I think to your point, I think eventually like, yeah, I think I probably won't be using them as much, but there's like this part of me while I'm where I'm at in my life and I'm in this hustle and I'm really trying to like 
like discover things about myself I, I see them as like a really amazing like tool to access those places in yourself that sometimes are very difficult to come by you know mm-hmm. but with that being said like I've experienced pretty profound experiences like while being on retreat and silence I mean you go and you go and don't talk and sit sit in silent meditation for 10 days you're gonna have some pretty crazy shit happen (laughs) (laughs) so oh yeah 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 because the 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 person that you built uh this this persona that you carry through life you know an ego it's it's fighting to get out isn't it Oh like, yeah. No, no, no. I, I want. No, I'm here. I want to be. I want to be heard now. I, I've, I've heard that people can, they really benefit from that. But I, um, again, I am. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Like, more power yeah. to you, man. Like that's, that's pretty epic. I would go yeah. nuts. <laughs> well, yeah, and well, yeah. I mean, some, some would say that that's the point is to like lose yourself a little bit to going nuts and, and in that in that space you can maybe discover something about yourself but but i also think that like you know again just to reiterate like prayer and meditation and deep introspection can also give those same things right if you're if you're committed to to those those practices i think yeah i i think really what what it what it boils down to and again just personally speaking it's kind of it's, it's just accessing those things and getting, getting the clutter and the chatter out. I mean, often what we're trying to do as artists, um, and, and maybe you can reflect on this too. I mean, you're just trying to quieten down the outside world because I, I don't know if it's maybe the inside voice is interfacing with that and it's a constant battle. And I, I find myself like, so when I meditate, for instance, I... I Again, I, I, I'm, and I don't want to turn this into a, a Christian or religious podcast, but I can't help it. It's just, it is the biggest part of my life. I, I meditate mm-hmm. on the word of God. So I'll, or, or, you know, again, in prayer, or I'll be thinking about something and I'll, I'll lift it up in prayer and be like, I need help with this, or I need to, I need to g- give me a, give me some sort of answer here. And, and I don't always get a response. And, and again, I don't hear voices or see visions. I'm not special in any way. Um, but I, it, it's it's really a matter of kind of going, okay, I need to quieten that down. And so the internet, the news, you know, things like social media, this has been really interesting, the opportunity that it's opened up for us as, as artists, but how much of that mental chatter or clutter gets dumped into your brain as a result of going to that. So it, it is important, however, however you do it, to find a way to empty that, to, to empty the trash yeah. can, to, to, to go and, and fill yourself up again with the truth and the beauty and, and find that, that flow again. And, and I, I'm finding so much now that there's so many things that vie for our attention, that they're just flow breakers. And actually, I, but oh no, no, well, because I, I wouldn't mind expanding on that, but I do want to ask you specifically about the social media because that's interesting too right i mean okay we're mm-hmm. the same vintage here right uh, yeah. but but i th- this wasn't around early on and i was a late adopter i was very late coming to the game for all social media and mm-hmm. now i'm now mm-hmm. i'm in it and it's like wow what, what does it all mean i i'm really trying to keep it at arm's length now yeah 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 so the question is like what are my thoughts on that on social media i don't know what the my whole question game. is 
I'm, yeah, I, I'm I, Mr. Tangent over here as well. There's so yeah, much no, cool no, stuff I, to talk about that I'm just like, totally. Hey. <laughs> well, there's, yeah, there's a couple cool riffs there. And like, well, one, I just want to say that generally people that are like high in creativity are also high in openness, which makes it really, it makes it harder than others that aren't to keep the noise down. And so right, right. I have like, I mean, that goes into the other conversation around discipline and routine and structure that I like have to have otherwise yeah, i will man. go nuts man yeah but um so so in terms of social media like it's i mean bro you've you've you're doing a hell of a job for someone that was a late adopter i mean you've 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 done beautifully with where you're at and you know since our last time we talked when i was trying to pick your brain and i'm i've got some irons in the fire that i'm trying to like work out what direction I want to go on these platforms I've recently just realized like you know just like anything else like I was talking about these walks in the woods it's like coming into right relationship with these things like they're here they're not going anywhere no. I think there was this this gentleman uh I don't know if you're familiar with Tom Bilyeu impact theory yep. yeah 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 he has yeah, that yeah he has that saying that technology is a one-way street and mm -hmm. and I like really resonate with that it's like it's here it's going and it's like I can either be resentful and bitter and like pissed off on all the things that are like it's it's that are bad about it, or I can embrace yeah. it and see all the things that it is it is doing that is of great benefit and right. to like learn how to like take advantage of those things. And so that's what I've like been, you know, really trying to shift my perspective on. Yeah, but but you, um, you stay out of that metaverse, you hear. Don't yeah. go down that road. Don't go Bro, down I just that bought road. property next to Snoop Dogg. <laughs> oh, there people are buying property in the metaverse. I'm oh, sorry. It's, like it's, at a certain yeah, point, you've got to yeah. just go. This is this is so dumb. Like I mean, it's genius, but it's like I, I don't. Yeah, it scares the hell out of me, man. It scares the hell out of me. Yeah. It should. Yeah. I think it should scare everybody. I think that that what's going to happen very soon, it hasn't happened. I'm surprised it hasn't happened. But the world is going to go through the biggest red pill moment that it's ever gone through. I thought that what was happening in the last couple of years would have done it, but it hasn't. And fine, you know, we're everybody's on their journey. Cool. No worries. And And you can't, you can't go there with some people. Fine. Cool. But I think there's something about to happen when the people that are running the, oh, here I go again, I, stop me. But when the people running the show say, we're going to merge your digital self and your biological self, and then somebody puts out a promo video for the, the metaverse with, by the way, I did mention this in a previous episode, with an all-seeing eye surrounded by snakes, just saying, okay? Okay, and they're going to take yeah, your yeah, digital yeah. self and your biological self, and we're going to merge them. Oh, and then we're going to chip you so you can take part in the economy. I, at a certain point, you got to go, excuse me. No, I, I, we're done. We're done here. We're done here. I don't yeah. care. I, I don't want to live in that world. You know, I, yeah. I <laughs> dude. So as an artist, I, I, I see, I, I think it's really important to talk about these things. I can't separate myself from my, my opinion on it. I think it's a really bad idea. Uh, but I do know that there are going to be creatives out there who are going to take advantage of this. They'll see it as a, as an interesting opportunity and they'll go for it. Great. More power to them. But it's a bit like you with, with your, um, your wacky tobacco in the middle of the woods. Sorry. I don't But it's like that. It's like, it's like, okay, if you're going to do that, go ahead and, and do it consciously and responsibly. 
um, but but recognize as well, like here at the metaverse example, that there are some real agendas at play here. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, mm. yeah. It's dangerous territory, man, for sure. And you know, like I, I have I have interest in terms of that whole world. Like I have interest in like the potentials around NFTs and in terms of like utility and membership and but beyond that i'm just like you know i feel like i'm a steward towards like the experience of traditional art and i'm like holding on to that till the day i die you know and and it's it's something that i mean there's this whole other project that's in the works which is around creating immersive experiences around large-scale narrative painting like that's that's like that's the big project man and that's like it's happening and um, awesome we can talk a little bit about that i want to be mm. i want to I, I don't want to give away too much because it's it, we haven't like there's no place for people to go and actually see like a landing page in terms of what we've got going on but we have a proposal we have project in the works we're going to start looking for funds soon and um you know Maybe maybe that's a, another episode you can get me and my partner on. We can talk all about it. I'd but love, it's it's around it. yeah yeah yeah. It's around this idea of like like what we've been talking about. You know, like the frustration that I'm like sitting here, and it's like this is how most people are digesting art. Like yeah, most yeah. people aren't getting out and being able to see these like big paintings. Tiny you know, like screen. yeah and. And granted, you know, but but this is a tool that can help people understand like what's going on in the world and where these opportunities are. And so like the next mm. endeavor is like, I mean, are you familiar with the Slav Epics by uh, Muka? Uh, yeah, I am. In fact, Miles um, Johnston uh, was talking about that on the podcast about a year and a half ago. And um, I, I wasn't familiar with them at the time, but then looked into them and I was like, whoa and and so talking about things that are that are imaginative realism right you know because yeah. because that, that that was a really fantastic example of it but paintings like that you there ain't no screen that will give you an experience of that you got to see it and and no. in a way yeah. I, I gotta tell you this man like in, in a way it kind of bums me out because you know in in october maybe uh i'll be having a solo show that i won't be able to go to yeah i'll be able to paint the painting so okay i'll, I'll have yeah. them for a little bit but i there's a lot of people that won't ever be able to see my work in the person uh, you know that they'll, they'll never see an original and it kind of bums me out in a way because that's what i produce mm -hmm. it for to create a thing and then you make a post mm. about it and people think oh yeah i've seen your work well have you you know and, and I, yeah, as an artist yeah. i want to share that with people but it it's great that it gives you access but also for what it is, it, it does, it is a limitation as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I want to go to your show. I want to, I want to see that. I want to experience that. I want to see your work in person because again, you know, looking at some of these, um, looking at some of these, these paintings, it, cause you do your fantastic post, man. Like you, you give us shots of you in the studio working on these things and you can just to get a sense of the scale. I mean, even though they're, you know, kind of 36 by 48 and above, some of them look like they're even 48 by 72 or even bigger. Like, yeah. You, yeah. Some of them Most of them around right? that. Yeah. Like the, the four by six kind of phase. And then that, that painting I did last year, Zane, that was a seven and a half square. But, um, wow. 
but yeah, just to cap off that, the thing I was talking about in terms of, you know, like where I would like to focus my work is on like having art be a more impactful experience on, on the world. And that's kind of where this idea was birthed out of was, I mean, I should, I remember when I was like, it's like 19 and I was like painting in my friend's garage. And I like had this idea that I called the mystery box, which was like a small, tiny room that you walk in and like every surface is like the painting and it's like a story. And like, there's like sound and there's smells and there's all this thing. So it's like that, it's like riffing off that idea of like, when people are like, oh, I wish I could just step inside of the painting and like be in this world of the artist, right? And I was like, well, why don't we make that happen? And so I awesome. like kind of had that in the back of my brain for years and years and years. And, you know, and then I met Tanaya, who's like, got me super excited about painting like really, really large scale. And we, we joined forces. And so the idea is to like, is to actually give people the opportunity to actually be with paintings and like meditate with them. And not in like this, like, but just to like, you know, create set and setting around how folks can like come in. And there's this whole narrative of these like 20, 30 foot, you know, long, tall paintings that they can sit with. And there's like, there's music that, you know, I've got a, I've got a friend that shout out to Source Vibrations. Uh, he does like binarial beats. He does this like music that's specifically designed to like get you into these different brainwave states to like for meditation or for focus mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. that like we see them being involved and in that like we build out this space to where it's like conducive to like really being with the art. And um, anyway, that's the, that's the short version of it and that we're, we're working on. And so, and it's called evolving the myth. And so um it, it's and it, and there's there's a lot of different inspirations but it's mainly like when I was young and I started seeing all of these like large-scale sort of renaissance mythological paintings that just like blew me away mm -hmm. and that like there was deep intention behind those like those paintings were created and they were put in places that like everything from the craft of the structure to the music to like every element of the design was to enhance this experience to like help us see into the space that was like larger than ourselves it was greater than what we could currently understand it was to create awe right right and so it's yeah. like where is that happening today you know like really <sighs> like like and, and so it's like people need to be put into a state of awe so that they can like deeply connect with things and and mm. so I've got this message written on my at, at my computer desk that I've had for a while. It just says "Awe is the gateway." To remind wow. me that, like, that's like always the thing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I see that in your work and with these like epic landscapes, where it's like I can imagine standing in front of those and just being like, just like, yeah, being in awe of them and like what that does to your person. I appreciate you saying that. And, and like, I must say the feeling's mutual, man. Um, because I, I and, and you say there, like, where is that happening today? Like, is there a space for that? I, I think I think it's so important for people, if, if, if possible, you know, the world being the way it is, if possible, get out there, get to a museum, 
Um, one of my, I, I kind of got a sense of this in terms of what you were saying in terms of a, of a multi-functioning space, going through some of these cathedrals and buildings in Venice and in, in Italy, and just looking at these epic paintings and frescoes and carving and sculpture and then organs and then you have the altar and then you've got the light coming in through the stained glass and it's like too much you're sitting there looking at it and you're just like whoa it's it's epic and and what are what what were they trying to do at the time when they were putting this together it was it was out of reverence and awe trying Mm -hmm. to create an experience and communicate something visually that wasn't you weren't able to communicate verbally almost. And, and not to mention, you know, when somebody was walking into a space and they were going to either a mass or a service or whatever, I, I think it, they, they, most of that was done in, in Latin. So they weren't actually having an experience of the word, which for me, I, I got to say awe mm-hmm. as well. When I'm opening it up yeah. and I'm reading it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, wow. I always get a takeaway every time I pick it up. But the thing is, is that when you're when you're in that space, it, it, it's hard not to get overwhelmed and, and inspired in that way. Um, so I, I and I have had those experiences looking at, at original paintings by old masters in, in particular, like, uh, you know, I, I'll never forget the day when I saw an Ivan Shishkin original. And, and I was mm. so, so fortunate, right place, right time. I, it's an absolute blessing to be able to see this original painting of, of just snow covering fallen logs in the middle of a pine forest. And the painting was epic. And it was just simple, mm. but it was huge. And it was so well painted. And suddenly it was just like getting hit in the forehead with a cricket bat. It was like, you don't need to go off and do this thing, Andrew. You're trying, you're trying too hard. Just do yeah. it. Just do it. Yeah. Look, here's somebody who's just done it. Look at the impact it's having on you. And I just, I looked at it. And I was just like, man, I want to do this for the rest of my life. This is amazing. Yeah. This is the feeling I want to chase. This is what I want to communicate to other people. Doesn't mean you do it on every single one. Now, I, I know I don't, but I, I, <laughs> sure. I, that, that's the chase, right? It's like a surfer. Every surfer is like, yeah. this is going to be the best wave ever, you know, or I'm, I'm going to catch it. This is going to be great, right? You know, they're always chasing the perfect wave, but do they always catch the perfect? No, they don't. But the search continues. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's, you know, I think it also speaks to like the function of the artist in, in a society in, in terms of like, we talk about how we're witnessing these works of art and how they impact us. And, and what I think it, the, the relationship there is that it inspires creativity. And it's not just like creativity and, and sort of the obvious sense of like sculpting, painting, drawing, whatever, but like all forms of creativity, which is like giving the public experiences to where they come away from it and they are inspired to do their best creative work in whatever field that they're in. Like that to me is like, that means like, okay, I've, I've accomplished something there with, with creating works that can maybe do that. Like that's the goal, you know? And um, so that's, that's where I get like, I, I get really excited because I think creativity is like one of I was just writing about this the other day. It's one of the most valuable things that I think we have as human beings. And I was thinking, I, I wrote down the term like creative capital and how like throughout my life, you know, at different periods of time when like I've been 
I've been deep in the hustle and I'm struggling maybe like, and I don't have like the, the finances that I wish I had. And, and like, there's all these other stressors and it has this, like this, this negative impact on my creative output on my flow state. Right. It's like, you know, you can simplify it down to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like if there's all these other stresses on your life and it starts to take you out of flow state because you're stressed. And I was thinking that like one of the most important things you can do as a creative or as an artist is create the capital in order to give you the most space to be as creative as you can possibly be. And like mm. how valuable that is to the world is, you know, I think it's one of the most valuable things to the world. And so it's like all effort into like, how can we be more creative in my opinion? It's, it's interesting because when I'm, when I'm painting and I'm creating, I, I'm often thinking about it from a painter's standpoint. And, and I, I, I sometimes get in this thing where I, I feel like I'm painting paintings for painters. Um, but it's interesting to hear the impact and see the impact that it has on people who don't paint, who aren't artists or creative. Uh -huh. So what, what kind of, um, what kind of reaction do you get from people who don't, who aren't in the arts, aren't creating, um, you know, just kind of your everyday sort of person, just, you know, doing a thing. What kind of experience have you noticed that they have when they're looking at your work? And, and mm. do, do they come away with something that is like, you know, obviously they're not going, oh, well, I'm going to go and paint now. But some of them might, some of them like, you know what, I, I want to pick up the brushes, you know, that, that does happen. But but what what is it what is it you think that it that it leaves them with when they when they experience your paintings? God, that's a great question, and I wish I had. I like I can't think of a solid answer. I mean, I think, well, one, I mean, I haven't had like a lot of experiences of like in person with people that are experiencing my work. Unfortunately, you know, there's comments that I get on social media, or emails that I get. And I've I've got a couple. I've got a handful of people on my newsletter that like write me some really wonderful emails that, um, you know, just talking about what they see in them and like the, the emotion that it, it, it brings out in them. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's like, you know, for me, like that there's the incentive to want to create experiences where it's bringing more people together to look at art and then actually to be able to facilitate conversation around it, which is another part of that model of like, you know, it's, I don't know exactly how this looks, but it's like, I think there's also another aspect of experiencing art that's also educating the public on how to maybe like feel comfortable talking and thinking about art. Because I think so often the response is like, people don't know what to say or they're bashful or they don't like, they don't feel comfortable expressing how they feel around it all the time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I haven't really thought about it too much in terms of like the kind of feedback that I've gotten because I don't really have a strong example. It's, it's amazing to me though, like how many people will look at something, have an experience with something, but then immediately say, although I know nothing about art. I'm like, well, hang on a second. Right. You're a human being. Of course you do. Totally. You got everything you'd need to say yeah. whatever you want to say or feel however you want to feel. Who... Where are they? Who told you you know nothing about art? <laughs> you know, totally. I, I get that all the time from like from my wife or friends because I ask people for critiques. And honestly, I think I want to get critiques from people that aren't actually like artists because yes. I think that's going to be the most valuable. I was like, that's yeah. the people that I want to like be having impact. I mean, artists are going to other artists are generally going to be your most 
harsh cr critics, but you know, like you said, you think a lot of times that you paint for other painters. And I think of it in the same way too. Like the, the details that we sort of obsess over most of the time we're only going to be noticed by other artists. <laughs> I mean, if we're oh. being real, it's like the big, <laughs> you know. <so. laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then you just end up having a massive geek out session about painting. And, uh, but that's cool in a way. I guess what I what I really love and what I'm kind of obsessed with 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 painting is is removing all the visual roadblocks and and like you try and provide an experience and they can take away whatever I I, I don't want to direct them in any way and say this is how you should feel about mm, this mm -hmm. thing it's just like here it is and and ultimately what that ends up being is is almost a mirror where they are reflecting in it. And they are, they are actually, yeah, they, and, and, and it's what they're bringing to it is what they see in it. And it, it, this is why, you know, watching the landscape, watching people look at a landscape in real life, they pull up to the viewing platform and it's like, do you have any idea what you're looking at right now? Like, what are you saying? What do you mean click? And you're going to get back in the car, get back over here and look at this. You know, do you, do you know yeah. how much effort this took to make this granite rock here that's being smashed by a wave? Get, get over here and have a look at this thing. It's like, you know, I, I wonder what's going yeah. on with some people sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I had a thread there and I just, I just and lost it. And it's gone. And it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, dude, this is one of my favorite things to do, though, is just is just geek out about this, because I think, you know, and this is the other thing as well that we we're talking about before. Um, and and, and I'd, I'd love to get more of your thoughts on this, because you were saying before that there's not really a space for this type of thing. I'm shocked. A lot of the galleries, when when it was free and open and easy to, to kind of move around and go to a gallery, um, I, I was shocked at how few people I actually saw there. I'm like, th these are some yeah. epic original paintings. And I'm, and I'm just like, hello, 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 hello. I'm the only one here. Like there were so many times where I'd be, when I was living in, in, in Australia at the National Gallery of Victoria and their 19th century room where they had all the salon paintings where the original uh, Potato Gatherers by Jules Bastien LePage was hanging there, dude. And I would spend time in front of that painting. Sometimes it would be just Rachel and I in this massive hall of paintings. Other times it was, it had a few people in there, but I'm like, where is everybody? Do they have no idea what's going on in this room? Look at this. Mm. It's, it's, so I, mm -hmm. I, I think about the spaces that are available today for people to physically interface with this sort of thing, whether it's old master stuff or stuff that's being created today. And, and it does kind of, it does kind of bum me out in a way. I, I, I'd love if there was more of it. Totally. And I, I, you know, the thing is, is that there's, there's examples of it popping up, like, but it's just, it's different than, you know, the kind of work that you or I are doing. I mean, I, have you heard of Meow Wolf? Oh, rings a bell. Meow Wolf go, is, go it's ahead. like an immersive art experience, essentially. It's like a collaborative of like, I think it's like, you know, probably 100 plus artists that like build out this space. There's one in Santa Fe, and then there's recently one that opened up in Denver, um, which essentially it's like an interactive, immersive art space that you can go into. There's digital projection, there's like things that you can like touch and play with and like move around and interact. And, um, and then there's like the Van Gogh experience. And so I think like there's sort of like the modern day version of these things happening. And, and so it's like, for me, I'm like, what does that look like in sort of a more kind of like sophisticated classical sense where you can like sort of merge technology with like classical traditional paintings 
and like you know i i get really excited about that idea mm. but i just pulled them up on instagram meow underscore underscore uh wolf i i think that's them uh very yeah. interesting very out there um i tell you who i think does this really well in in terms of creating a space and creating an experience uh, i gotta say you, you know D david bromley out of australia now, now internationally i'm not sure how well known he is um mm -hmm. i do know that he's done very well for himself in australia in particular but he'll go in and he'll create like bromley world It'll, it'll just, you'll, you'll see sculptures and paintings and this and that, and, and just creating a visual space. I, I found uh -huh. him hugely inspiring of just in terms of walking in, it's like walking into his brain. I, I think it's, I and, and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of quirky and kitschy and fun. Uh, but, but it's, but when I look at something like Meow Wolf, uh, for instance, you know, I do see that technological aspect coming through They're, 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 they're completely different, but I, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. The technology interfacing with technology or the technology and art, this is an interesting one. I mean, it's like what we we're saying with the metaverse earlier. These are things that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm going to shy away from, but I, I, I am, I am pretty, I, I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel about it because it's almost like we're, we're engaged in this thing that is so old and, and you, you know, you're pushing the colored mud around on a piece of cloth with a stick and know, your hair crazy. sticking. It, no, that, so, so yeah, while we might embrace say Photoshop or Procreate or something like that, it's always a means to an end. It always ends up back at the canvas. Yeah. 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 But to me, it's like asking the question of how can we get people to stay connected or reconnect or mm. discover this medium, right? That like the, that we're, that we're preserving, you know, cause I think it's so like, I mean, there's so much embedded in it. Like there's not just the creation of it, but there's like, I, you know, I think the, there's so much potency behind like, like learning how to do it. Right. That that's like, you're developing skills kind of on a macro level. that are so good for your character and who you are in terms of patience and like hmm. the, the things that are sort of uh, uh, counter to like what most people are experiencing nowadays you know like i just think that it's it has a lot of value yeah you know you were you were talking about sort of like uh, i think you had mentioned like simplifying like getting obstacles out of the way for the viewer to be able to like connect with the work and and that what that brought up for me was like how i've been thinking about paintings over the last year you know they're figurative and they have they have a narrative to them but I've actually, like in the design process and early on, I think of them as abstractions. Like I actually like purposefully because I, because of that very thing, like I, one, don't want to give a narrative that's too strong or overbearing that like, that like puts their direction in, a, in too particular of a space. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's like almost looking at composition of figure to work the same way you would as like a landscape. You're thinking of big like value shapes and like, and abstraction and design of like how it directs the eye and like value hierarchy and how like people connect with it on that like first impression level and then it's like and then that subtle narrative kind of slowly comes in and then it like starts to bring in deeper questions but it's never so like over the head that you're like you know that you're like oh this painting's about that you know, it's like, it's more like, mm. huh, it's like, it, there's yeah. a mystery to it. And, and but you anyway, tease I, it out. I just wanted to. And I, and I yeah. must say, like, like, when you, when you do that, when, when I, when I see art that does that particular, like this painting is about that, it's almost like you don't need the painting then. 
there was another way to communicate mm. that. It's almost like going out of your way to elaborate on a far side, one, one uh, cell, one rectangle comic. You know, it's like, oh, I get it. The cow doesn't have opposable thumbs, so it can't pick up the telephone. It's like, yeah, but did you need to paint that? Like, just, just, it's almost like for me, I like what you're saying. You know, you tease out the mystery. You, you, you kind of, yeah, that, that, that the, it, it, the the uh, the painting the brushstrokes are almost like that melody that carries along the song in, in a way but you 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 discover it as you go it's not overt mm -hmm. you know it's not it's not just completely over the top I like that yeah, man yeah. I like that yeah I and and I often I often think about this with my landscape paintings and and you know portraits or anything it's like there is depth there but at the end of the day I think I think the viewer is going to bring that depth. And mm -hmm. it's not a cop out mm -hmm. to say, well, I don't have to do anything. You do the work, <laughs> you know, but, but that's into, that ends up being what happens is that they'll look at something that is, to me, it's a simple idea. I love Milford sound. It's epic. Yeah. I want to paint it. I like yeah. the way the light comes through those clouds. And then people will look at it and they'll go far out. I'm having an experience right now. This, that, yeah. you know, that's insane. And so you're like, Oh, cool. Good for you. <laughs> Good for yeah. you guy. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Um, but it, it's, uh, it doesn't happen for everybody. I mean, some people will do the, the, the come in, have a look, go, oh yeah. I tell you what, man, it was really interesting running my gallery for a little while. I got to, mm -hmm. to actually mm -hmm. see a bit more of that. And then eventually I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And I'm done. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of like, here, here I am going, <laughs> yeah. here I am going, oh, I wish there was more spaces for people to interact with my paintings, but I'm like, no, no, you do it. I, I don't want to have anything to do with this. That was very interesting. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. Were you like, was the gallery also where your studio was? And so you were interacting yep. with people as they came in to look at your work. Yeah. yeah. So, so there was actually a wall. So this is the old studio in Lawrence. It was a big, beautiful old building. And I put a wall straight down the middle of it, but it was a big open uh, gable ceiling. So it was open all the way. So when they would come into the gallery and there'd be a bustle and a chatter, I could hear everything they were saying. Cause I was in the other room painting, but the, the roof space mm -hmm. was open. If you see what I mean? So I, I was looking, you know, listen to some of these conversations and then some, sometimes when I'd come out, because uh, Rachel was working out the front on, on the counter, and then we had hired some people as well to give us a hand with it. And um, when I, when I, whenever I'd kind of duck my head into the gallery and I'd kind of look at people, you know, watch them through like a little hole in the wall as well. Uh, you know, it, it was not in a weird <laughs> way. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but but it, it's interesting to see how people, some people really took their time and really reflected on what they were seeing and some people just couldn't see they just couldn't mm -hmm. see it they just and i and it's weird i have friends that just they 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 know what i do but they can't see it yeah and, and we're yeah, friends yeah, totally yeah <laughs> it's like it's like you have yeah. no idea what you do it's like dude you have no idea what i do i said yeah you you do computers it's like i don't do computers i'm a network engineer andrew this is what I, this is what i do or i'm a blah 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 it's like yeah, yeah. you're the computer guy that's that's magic i don't care you do. <laughs> yeah yeah they're the same well and that's what, i think that's what i mean it's like i think that there's there's some responsibility oh maybe i, I don't that, that's debatable in terms of like helping teach people how to see as artists you know it's like on on and it, you know it, it's up to each individual artist to decide what on what level they want to get involved in that i mean like you were saying it's like well i'm just gonna make this piece and then hand it off to the patron and it's up to them how they want to see it but then there's also this thing of like, if we want art to be valued more in our society, 
maybe there's some value in helping teach people how to like be with a painting, how to like really sit with it. Do you think it's cultural? Because I, I, I look at culture today and I'm like, no, you know, because I mean, think of what we got. We, we can sit down at one side of the room, looking at a box on the other side of the room and be changing the channel as soon as we're bored. And not to mention on the shows that you might be watching, you know, it's going to go from, from this to that, to this, to that. And the, the, the changes in the screen are so quick. Go back and watch Spaghetti Western. Like, mm -hmm. it, and look how quickly it goes from frame to frame. Some shots are held for an uncomfortably long time by today's standards. Yeah. I'm wondering mm -hmm. if this is an attention span thing. Like, is teaching somebody else to, to, to see, would we require a wholesale shift in our culture? It, you know, and I'm just speaking in terms of Western culture here because we're both in it, right? You know, you're in the yeah. US, I'm here in New Zealand. It's the same culture. A, yeah. You know, we, we get the same shows, the same movies, the same music, the same crap that's being generated by the beast, as far as I'm concerned. But, but that does something to somebody's thinking. And here you're trying to get somebody to stop and just look at this. And no, no, just no, stop, shut up, and just no, shut up, look at this thing. How cool is this? Yeah. And they're like, oh, the channel doesn't change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I know. I, I, I think it is. I think it is cultural. And, and again, it's like that's even more of a reason to me of like, why, like, why create these experiences? It's because it's like, it's help, you know, it's like the same, you know, there's all these like meditation apps that have like become super popular, like Headspace and, mm. and, uh, and uh, waking up and all these things, because like people are like crawling out of their skin, you know, they need ways to like be able to reconnect with like the heart of who they are and like the world around them, because they're so distracted. And so like, you know, they're just disconnected. And so to me, like, it's like, the things that I'm interested in and wanting to pursue in my life as an artist, they, they, they don't, they don't stop or they don't start and end with just painting. It's more about like, well, how can I be of service in the world? Right? Like that's the question that I'm starting to, to ask more and more as like, now I'm like established as a painter and I want to like branch out and see what else there is to be done. It's like, you know, it's more about like helping facilitate those experiences and also around education, you know, in terms of like, this is another, another topic um, that I've been thinking a lot about in terms of like content that I want to create in the digital spaces, mm -hmm. you know? And so like, I haven't been teaching for uh, that long and, but in the, in the short time that I have been teaching, I've, I've come to find two things. One, like what subjects I really resonate with wanting to teach and where students get hung up. And it's not on the technicals, man. Like at the end of the day, it's not that hard to learn these skills. What's hard is getting out of the way of your own, like the, the obstacles and the doubts in your mind that keep you from being able to like really give it everything that you have and to give it your attention and to slow down and to be patient and like so I feel really driven towards wanting to like offer that into the space it's you know like I mean plus I mean I I don't want to try and compete with all the people that are offering videos and stuff on how to how to do things because yeah <laughs> it doesn't no exist way. man the competition yeah, doesn't no. exist and, and i yeah. just i'll say that right now but just in case yeah. somebody listening to this is going oh man i wanted to start a youtube channel look the 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 internet's a big place 
and there's never been yeah. a better time to do this and there's never been a better time and or or it's just in terms of the opportunity but also the necessity now if you're a working artist now and you're listening to this and you're not online yet get online and there's room for everybody because look yeah. here, here's the thing man your way of doing things is, is completely different to my way of doing things. It's completely different to Samuel Earp's way of doing things or Thomas Fluhardy or Carla Grice or Sean Cheatham, you know, you name it, you name the artist out there. They've got their own way of doing this. But if we, if we kind of adopted that mindset and, and not to jump all over you here, but I mean, if we, if we looked at it and going, okay, look, in, in even that word competition, it's not even something that I, I think about now because there is no competition. It doesn't exist. Again, that's another mm -hmm. limitation that we've entered into mentally where it stifles yeah, that yeah. growth and going, hang on a second. I got something to say because I'm here. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. And, and somebody will pick up what I want to say. And if they don't like what I have to say, they'll move on. That's mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. That it's not for you. So don't watch it. It's hilarious the people that hit the dislike button. And I know YouTube thinks they got rid of the dislike <laughs> button, but I just say yeah. right now, I see it. I see what you're disliking. You better yeah, stop yeah. it. <laughs> no, but 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 it's like, it's like, why would you hit the dislike button? It's a free video. Why are you hitting dislike? Yeah. Okay, it's fine. If you don't like it, if I offended you, I'm really sorry. So don't watch, move on. Yeah. You know, yeah, but no, but it's, it's 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 just not for you. But again, I, I must say it is that said, it is important to get feedback from the the marketplace. I, I guess I want to know that I'm on the right track. But it's weird, man. It's 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 a weird one because there's room for everybody, and and I just I would love to see more people here because I think if there are more people in it, and people like you, man, like you know, that can that have got a lot of stuff to say that are just just powerhouses technically i mean good night you could paint bro and the figurative side of things is not something i've really delved into and i'm super inspired by what you're doing because mm. it's it's hard i appreciate it man it's yeah. hard it is so hard i could see somebody who's so dedicated to their craft i gotta ask you this you, you mentioned this earlier on in our conversation and i want to come back to that now you were saying something about discipline and routine and structure mm. You know, that's mm -hmm. something that's really on my radar. I'm trying to get better at it. I, I, I go through periods of being a little bit more obsessed about it. And then sometimes I take my foot off the gas. Now I'm entering into another season where I just feel like I'm getting into it now because with a new little baby on the scene, I'm like, where am I going to get stuff done? I have got to structure this. Otherwise, yeah. you know, I, I want to be a dad and I want to be attentive and I want to be a good husband. Like that's really important. You know, I want time with God. That's important. When, when do I get to, to paint and run my business? So this is becoming important. And I can tell that's important for you. So could you run through some of, some of your thought process there? And how do you go about structuring your time to create what you create? Because that's going to take time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, there's a lot of different components to that. I mean, there's... For me, it's like it's like looking at kind of like a whole system design, and I think it 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 starts primarily with like looking at like the wellness of my being. That like if that's not in order, like everything falls apart really quickly, right? Absolutely. And so it's like it's about like exercise, it's about sleep, it's about enough downtime, and and so I mean I've I've had like a pretty strong practice of like every every year like I sort of revisit big goals and short-term goals and I and I sort of like draw out and map out a plan of like 
how I want to attack like this next phase of my life or this year. And then I, I literally, I like schedule out every moment of my day and I'm going to be the first to tell you, like, you know, it's not like I perfectly execute that every day, but it's like, it's a structure that keeps me like in line because if it's not there, then it's like, oh, instead of like going to the gym or going for a run in the woods with my dog, I'm going to go grab a beer. Or I'm going to like, you know, hang out with, with my friends, or I'm going to like go watch Netflix or whichever, you know, and like all these things are, I just find that like the more, the more structure and discipline, like it just doesn't make room for those things that I know are distractions that like that lead down places that I don't want to go. And, and I will say too, is like the more that like we can commit to a routine that maybe on the onset seems like sort of maybe too rigid. And which I think is like the, the, the critique that I think a lot of people will give and that I've heard is that like, oh God, it's just such, it's like so controlled and like, and stifling to like spontaneity, but it's, I think, what is it? I don't know if it's Jocko that said this, like discipline equals freedom. Mm -hmm. And that like, I really strongly agree with that in the sense that like, there is infinite potential in every moment of like what you can do. And that like, there's real power in actually like, and like, like the funnel of like, okay, well, if I create this structure, then within that structure, then I can like be highly creative and like, and free within that space versus like, like I was saying before with, if you're a highly creative, highly open person, having too much choice just leads to overwhelm. It leads to like mental fatigue and like, you just, you just get overwhelmed and then everything falls apart. And so that, that's, um, that's that, me. That's me right yeah. there. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so it's like, it's, it's all these components of like, you know, daily, daily practice or prayer and like daily exercise daily, like every day got to move the body because it's like the correlation of that with like my productivity and my focus and my attention is like absolutely crucial, mm. you know, like my, the, from, and the food that I eat and all of that stuff, just like being really on it with it you know I, I wouldn't even say it's being strict it's like I've come into this place where I used to look at it in this way that it was like it was it was being strict or it was creating limitations on myself rather than like looking at sort of my body and my life as this temple that I needed to like care for and preserve like this like sacred garden it's like if I feed it good things and I take care of it it's going to bloom and flourish and it's going to like yield wonderful fruit you know mm -hmm. and so it's like shifting the relationship with like oh god i can't do this and i can't do that and i it's like oh i get to do this if i like have the if i have this routine in place like because it's going to make me feel so much better mm -hmm. so having having that I, perspective I, on it has helped i would hate to want to do something but then go oh but i can't I can't because well, I, and, and, and then the, 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 the thing that would just be, and I, I know I want to be sensitive to some people that are listening because there's a lot of stuff that happens to people that, okay, maybe it's choice, but there's a lot of stuff that happens to people that is, that is not a choice. Right. And, and, you know, if they, if they suffer some sort of accident or they have some sort of physical impairment or disability or whatever, um, that, that, but for me personally, I mean, that's why in the past it had been so important to me like what you're saying is, is watch the diet, watch, you know, get the exercise, do all that sort of stuff. Now, all that stuff has gone out the window. Uh, 
you know. Well, you're also I, a you've got a new baby, man. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I know, I know. But you can <laughs> congratulations, hear congratulations, like, by the way. That, thanks, <laughs> man. I know, and, and, and listen, I wouldn't change that for a world, the world. But I, 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 I get the dad bod now. I understand what that's all. About. <laughs> I understand what that's all about, because it's like yeah. it's like what's for dinner whatever's quick, whatever's easy. And, and don't get me yeah. wrong. There ain't no drive through here. There's no takeaway. So we're making it all. We have to, but it's, 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 it's an interesting adjustment, but this is inspiring me to kind of revisit that and, and set more of an intention there. And it's interesting as well. You know, I, I've recently become aware of this, the, the amount of scripture that says that you are the temple, the body mm, is mm-hmm. the temple and, yeah. and he abides in us. And it's like, oh wow, okay. Well, then, what? What do you? How do you treat a temple? How do you? How do you treat a temple? Like, what do you do? Do do? Would, would I put this in a temple? Would I do yeah. this to a temple? I ain't doing yeah. this to a temple. I'm the temple. You know, we're the temple. If you, you know, and and that's it. It really shifts your thinking there. Um, I tell you what, though, it's something I've gotten into recently that I really am starting to enjoy. I, I've picked up my bow again and I've started doing some target oh, practice nice. with a bow and arrow and, and talk about, you know, moving meditation. That's a great yeah. way to clear the mind, man. I just, mm, just mm-hmm. fill up that cardboard box full of blankets, fill it up with arrows and then do it again, do it again and do it again. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Those practices are really good. Yeah. Yeah. Man. You know, it's to me like being in nature too. I mean, it's, that's another big one. It's like, you know, going for going for a walk and like you know leaving the phone and just like going out and and it just clears the head so quick man and it just allows you to just you know even if you're not lying down closing your eyes just like unloading sort of the the overload of stimulus is just Mm -hmm. nice this has been wonderful having this opportunity to talk with you and just geek out about art and some of the art philosophy and stuff as well it's it's been wonderful so you've got these this epic series of works that you're working on and there's I, I want people to go right now follow you on instagram follow you on social media you've got a website too uh yeah have you yeah okay fantastic i'll make sure i put that up the front of this podcast and at the end of this podcast but you know just go and follow what christopher's doing and you'll be amazed just like i've been and, and truly inspired I, I believe that i love kind of asking people this and it's a little bit cheesy because I'm often thinking about it. I'm thinking, I look back at the past and I go, what happened back there? What was, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Like, why did I do that? And I often think, you know, if I could go back, put this brain in those young and that young skull back then, which was practically empty. uh, If I could do that, what would I have done differently? what's some advice that you would offer to your younger self or to young creative professionals or somebody who's just about to leap out and onto the stage and and really make a go of this, have that moment that you had, you know, when you were about to do the big deal and you were just like, you know what, I don't want to do it. What, what's Mm -hmm. some advice Mm -hmm. that you would offer somebody who's, who's at a similar crossroads or just wanting to take this thing and run with it? Yeah, it's a great question, man. Um, I think, I think simply just to believe in yourself, you know, and to never compromise 
your dreams, you know, I, and again, it, I, that's not, it's, it's this cliche cheesy thing. And it's, and, you know, there was a, there was a, a, a talk that I listened to around this time that I, I actually play it for myself every year. It was an Alan Watts talk. And I think you can actually find a video of it on YouTube where they do like some cool graphics along with the talk, but, and it's, it's uh, what if, what if money was no object? Yeah, and it's it. not to yeah. it's not to dissuade people from wanting to make a good living at all, but it's 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 just to point to this sort of rat race mentality that we get caught in, and we neglect the things that are the most important to us, and and don't stop listening to that part of yourself that really does know what you want the most, and to give everything you have to it. So thank you so much, Andrew. It's I, I'm glad we finally were able to make this happen. And it's it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Uh, Christopher Remmers, thank you for being on this episode of the Creative Endeavor podcast. We'd love to do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Creative Endeavor podcast. Thank you so much to Christopher Rimmers for joining me. What an epic guy. What a cool conversation this was. I got so much out of this and I really hope you did too. And if you did, then please do me a huge favor. Leave me a rating or a review on whatever audio platform you're listening on. It makes such a huge difference to the show. Now, I've got a few more episodes of the Creative Endeavor podcast up my sleeve. I'm looking forward to bringing those conversations to you in due course. Right now, if you want to go follow Christopher Remmers on social media, please do so. He can be found on Instagram at Christopher Remmers. That last name is spelt R-E-M-M-E-R-S. He's there on Instagram. He's also on his website. I'll put a link to that website in the show notes. You'll find that description with the audio version of this podcast and a link to his atelier as well. So go and follow him over there. Find out what he's all about. But again, a huge thank you and a shout out to Christopher for joining me here. I really look forward to talking to him again soon someday. Now I'm going to get out of here and get back to painting. I look forward to hanging out with you again very, very soon in another episode of The Creative Endeavor.